section ninety one of the world war this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the world story volume fifteen the world war edited by horatio w dresser section ninety one with the americans at the front nineteen seventeen by george patullo at the urgent request of the french commission which visited the united states in april american troops were sent across earlier than had been intended the first contingent reaching france late in june before winter they were ready for their final training in the front trenches the editor toward the end of october the first american contingent seemed to be about as letter-perfect in their work as could reasonably be hoped there was even a danger that further application to the same training might make them stale they had come along in grand style physically boys whose blouses used to sag on them like a middy last summer were now bursting the chest buttons of the same uniforms and they had learned to perform like clockwork everything their instructors had taught them they were a pretty fine lot of soldiers as we used to know soldiers in those piping days of ease before nineteen fourteen but they were not yet fighting men it was to make them fighting men that general pershing put them into the front line with the french there is a vast difference between learning things in a training camp and doing them opposite an active enemy so the american commander planned to put the finishing touches on the first contingent by some work within reach of the boche guns to harden the men and teach them how to take care of themselves in trench warfare he selected a quiet sector for the purpose probably he could not have found a more reposeful sector in all europe his idea was to round out training with as little fuss as might be so that the men of the first contingent would be competent to instruct the green troops coming from america and as soon as all had been given the experience the battalions were withdrawn that is all there was to it the proceedings were devoid of fireworks the paris edition of an american newspaper solemnly announced that our forces had taken over a sector of the front during the dark hours of the night and that when dawn broke the astounded germans were apprised of the event by the spectacle of the stars and stripes floating proudly from our parapets but actually there was no moving picture stuff whatever the troops eased in with the french the more quietly it was done the better satisfied were the american and french commands they wanted no blare of bands and old glory on a front-line trench could wait until the trench was empty moving out of villages back of the line the companies marched along the roads leading to the communication trenches and arrived there went in to relieve the poilu in platoon groups it was very dark and the rain fell drearily about the only persons who saw this movement were a few french soldiers en repos 
in the villages some old men and women and a little girl in a cape who trotted along beside the marching column of one battalion talking to the intent silent men as they reached the crossroads where they turned to go along the canal she stopped and waved her hand at them for luck may heaven bless her here is a picture of the way you go in your experience will differ from this and the local setting and details when the time comes more especially if you happen to be hurried up to support battalions that are being strafed but in the ordinary course of events you will do it about the way the first contingent did it they have been keeping you back in a village during the training period sixty or seventy or ninety kilometres behind the front in plain sight is another village and there are american troops billeted there also everywhere you turn in this section of france you find them the roads and fields are full of khaki figures the streets of every hamlet swarm with them and there is a hamlet every two or three miles well they have gradually seasoned you by the hardest kind of work you are physically fit to tackle your weight in wild cats out on the training ground beyond the village you have practised every form of trench work and open warfare until you do it automatically at command and you have grown acclimated to your billet which used to be a storehouse with a hayloft in it no longer seems chilly when the temperature is at a raw damp fifty-five degrees or if you have been living in one of the frame barracks provided you don't begin to think of pneumonia every time the roof leaks or a cold wind comes tearing through a fissure in the wall in fact you're fit my boy fitter than you ever were in your life not even barring the proud day you made the eleven on a day your battalion receives orders to get ready to move perhaps you know what is coming off perhaps you don't at any rate that is none of your business all you've got to do is obey orders and keep your rifle clean so you hustle round pack your kit stall off abe green when he inquires whether you feel like paying back that twenty francs you borrowed and presently parade with the others in full marching order and your helmet on strapped to your back is the kit a full seventy pounds and more the official figures give the weight as something less but i have weighed a dozen of them in the kit you carry your bedding which consists of three blankets extra socks and extra shoes mess tins and emergency rations first-aid dressings ammunition everything you will require for a ten-day tour in the trenches with bayonet and pick and shovel the kit is a sizable load you bend forward as you march and if it doesn't sit snugly heaven help you long lines of motor trucks are in the road you pile into one of them and when all is ready the driver lights a cigarette says well we're off get up sarah and a moment later you go careering out of the village behind you comes another truck and another and another trucks are strung out as far as the eye can reach it isn't such a bad business bowling along a country road in france even in a motor truck the driver keeps his machine on the crown of the road and lets the automobiles that overtake him do the worrying the wild warning shrieks of their sirens seem to fill him with a holy joy a smile of infinite peace comes to his face as he holds the nose of the truck exactly in the middle you pass through a score of villages and toward dusk arrive at one which shows the scars of war the stark ribs of ruined houses stick up through piles of debris where a jack johnson landed is a jumbled mass of bricks and twisted metal and shattered stone that used to be the mairie 
you're in the fighting zone now but the trucks keep on and it is dark when you arrive at your destination everybody piles out and eases cramped legs you are in a tiny village and few people are stirring opposite you is a cafe called the cheval d'or through the window you make out the figures of seven poilus seated at a table drinking wine there is a wide old-fashioned fireplace at the end of the room and over it a woman is cooking supper on an andiron contrivance that holds a pan and two kettles the order is given to fall in the darkness deepens as you stand there in the road waiting for the command to move company attention thirty seconds later you are headed for the trenches of course it has begun to rain it falls with a steady dreary murmur the iron hard road is covered with a thin layer of mud deposited by the constant passage of trucks and wagons the rain drips sadly from the tall trees standing like gaunt sentinels on either side with your poncho hanging from your shoulders and your head bent under the load of your pack you tramp out of the village one of the boys tries to strike up a song silence barks an officer you turn a corner and follow a canal tramp 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 that and the rumble of the kitchens and machine-guns are the only sounds some sparks fall from the swaying kitchens and dimly you discern the outlines of the mules pulling the little devils so dreaded by infantry behind them are more doughboys the column is lost in the night both ahead and behind you the man next to you is breathing hard and you wonder whether he is nervous but you don't ask him for it is your first time in and everybody is keyed up a red cross ambulance dashes up from nowhere and pulls out to give the marching column right of way its driver flashes on his lights an instant turn that out cries an officer and the blackness is worse than before you keep this up until the pack weighs about eleven hundred pounds and the man behind you is beginning to mutter doggone where are them trenches anyhow in rusha at last you are halted you can't see anything but the road under your feet and the outlines of some trees but the dark becomes peopled with strange shapes after a while your platoon is called to attention the remainder of the company stands at rest and before you can guess what's up you are marching along beside a hedge up a hill the going is slippery for you are on a dirt road you skirt an embankment from which come muffled voices a curtain lifts and then you discern that what you took for a blur is the entrance to a dugout a man in the doorway of the dugout says something to the platoon commander but you are already past him still uphill the mud is harder to shake than a book agent at last you reach comparatively level ground and march along beside more blurs you hear voices inside the blurs and occasionally see the tiniest streak of light but though you strain your eyes you cannot make out what the blurs are artillery dugouts i reckon huh someone whispers and the man in front of you stumbles zowie look out he warns and next moment you plunge blindly into an opening in the earth you are now in the communication trenches the mud is ankle-deep and it gives you plenty to do to keep on your feet and not hold up the line no wonder they gave you all those hardening exercises this is a holy fright however you manage to hold the pace twisting and turning dipping downward feeling your way along the wall of the trench now you hit a stretch of duck boards and the walking is better 
you see nothing but a pale streak of sky when you lift your head stumbling blindly in the wake of the man in front and swallowing in silence your rage against the man behind when he walks on the calf of your leg about a million miles of this and the line halts there is whispering ahead of you now that you are used to the dark you descry other forms than those of your comrades in the trench a figure in a pale uniform pushes past you going out another and another follow they are the poilus your platoon is relieving the line moves slowly forward you pass a dugout then a dark opening from which a pair of legs protrudes evidently a frenchy has crawled into a funk hole to snatch a forgotten piece of property before he marches out it is your turn now you are the head of the line all the men in front of you have taken up their positions a french soldier standing close to a fire step moves back and you move into his place he doesn't speak to you and you don't speak to him you simply take over the spot he has held and give your comrades room to move along and so the relief goes forward standing there you wonder how far off the next man is presently comes an officer who shows you the entrance to a dugout and gives some whispered instructions as to what you shall do in case of bombardment then he leads you to a cavity in the wall of the trench where the reserve supply of ammunition and the rockets are kept you tell him you've got it all clear and he passes on once more you are standing on the fire step staring with smarting eyes into the dark a machine-gun is chattering somewhere in the night and far away from the edge of the world comes a sullen muttering like a heavy surf on a seashore the big guns at verdun suddenly a flare goes up in front of you you catch a flashing vision of a valley and a bare slope and there right under your nose is a tangled mass of wire entirely filled with boche you let fly in two minutes you've emptied the chamber and then the sergeant arrives hotfoot to inquire what the blue blazes you are shooting at there's a bunch of boche out there in the wire you tell him in a voice you strive to hold steady those are posts man he replies in disgust cut that out you relax and mop your brow gee that was a close call and abruptly you experience a blessed relief from tension no matter if you did make a mistake you were on the job a dim realization of that all-important fact gives you confidence you settle down for the long night watch an officer approaches using a trench stick it is nothing but an ordinary cane with a steel point to help progress in the mud somehow the sight of him unarmed with nothing but that little stick gives you courage there cannot be much danger if he goes round with a cane thus you reason the officer's stick is one of the moral forces of trench warfare how's everything he queries feeling all right that's the boy we're all right now we're in there is the story of an entry into the trenches it's a lot different from what you've been dreaming n'est-ce pas but that is always the way the front is never like the mental picture you draw of it there wasn't a man of the first contingent who hadn't indulged in daydreams of what it would be like not one of them came within a mile of the reality what happened at the front is more or less familiar to the american public the boche immediately grew attentive he did not try anything very serious but his artillery showed activity in spasms and on the night of november two to three he put over a raid however the object sought by the american command was accomplished those battalions are fit for a crack at the boche any day what did we learn repeated the brigadier in answer to a query this they went in boys they came out veterans End of 
section ninety one this recording is in the public domain